Father, be with us tonight. I uh, pray that you'd meet with us. And Lord, in all the coming and going and all the singing and all the fellowshipping, we pray that your word would meet our needs. And Lord, may it be exalted, may it be brought forth with authority and power, not because of me, but because we're hungry for it, because your Holy Spirit's enabled in it. And may there be nothing here to hinder it. And may you help me to be a worthy vessel in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 8. We're going to look at three passages, all identical, but not exactly identical. Whenever you look at the Gospels, there's four Gospels. Three of them are written quite similar. One is a little different, usually. But you read the three passages, and usually they, even though they seem almost the same, they bring out different details. So we're going to read the same passage in three different details in a moment. We're in Matthew, chapter 8, so we're going to start. When I was a kid, I remember the first time I played a little game called Red Rover, Red Rover, send so-and-so right over. And uh, you have all these games where you're trying to capture the person. And uh, that's a lot of fun when you're little and kick the can, you know, trying to catch somebody before they can get it. But you're trying to capture somebody. And then when I got a little older, we played another version, a little more grown-up version of that called American Eagle. American Eagle takes the same thing, but now instead of just tagging the person, you go over and you grab them by the arms and you have to lift them up off the ground for a second and put them back down to capture them. A little more aggressive. Obviously, you play that boys with boys and girls with girls. But American Eagle, and uh, I tell you what, you get some big old guy staring down the barrel and you try to run past him and he grabs a hold of you, you know you've been held when you get held of some of these guys. Then... Uh, I found another when I got to be a youth pastor, and it's, it's a game that I think a lot of our young people like to even today play, men play it, capture the flag. You get out there, and first time I played capture the flag, I was up in Indiana. We went to camp. We were in a beautiful setting, had the whole campgrounds divided in half. You got no man's land. You hired your flags, and you're trying to sneak behind the lines, and you're trying to get their flag, all this kind of stuff. But you don't want to get captured. So you run. Somebody goes after you. I mean, you're just sprinting across the field. And that night, two of my boys that were brothers, Ron and Charles Circle, they were on opposite teams, and they were competitive. And then no man's land. And they ran after each other, and bam, just like that. And we made a trip to the emergency room, and a broken nose, blood coming all down the place. And uh, got there, and I, I wasn't got there. I was the camp uh, sports director for that thing. I have to take blame. And um, they got there, and there were other people in line. And we were the third people that night that were there for injuries to, from capture the flag and different camps all around that part of Indiana. So it's an aggressive game. I mean, it is. I mean, you could play it more aggressive, less aggressive. You say, where are you going with this? Satan plays for keeps. You know, you start out, you're in kindergarten. You're sort of playing, you know, you're sort of tag, you're it. But it sort of escalates. And pretty soon you're an adult all on your own. And, and life isn't as easy as it was. Have you ever thought, just if I could just go back and mom and dad were taking care of everything, wouldn't that be sort of nice for a while? I mean, the kids don't think so. They have no clue to be under the protection of mom and dad in a safe environment. And, you know, the house is paid for, the utilities, the insurance is paid for, the food's on the table. Amen? They have no clue. But, you know, our God, he's the one that's the master of our house, isn't he? 
and he's got our back and he takes care of us. And tonight, we want to look at sort of that thought in these passages of Scripture. Matthew chapter 8, look at verse 23, talking about Jesus. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. We pick up a few details here. We find that uh, the Lord Jesus was uh, one that was in the ship, and it says that there was a great tempest. It doesn't say a tempest. The word great is the word megas, a mega tempest, and, and the word tempest there is, is the idea of unsettledness. There's, there's, as a matter of fact, it could be, it could be translated a word whirlwind, sort of like a water spout. There's this great swirling. It's not just, okay, the winds have picked up. There's a great swirling, sort of like a hurricane, okay, like we had last week. So there was a great wind, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. And it says, insomuch the ship was covered. And the word covered there means it just was complete. You couldn't see the ship from time to time. When the waves would come over, they would completely down on the ship until you just couldn't see the ship. It wasn't like they were lapping up and it was oozing into the side. It was a wham, and this you know, great big old waves were slamming the ship, so it was covered. And in verse 24, but he was asleep. That's Jesus. And his disciples came to him and awoke him. That word awoke means be risen. <laughs> it's the same word of the resurrection. Isn't that interesting? Raise up, Jesus. Wake up, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Boy, there's a message right there for salvation, isn't it? Save us. You know, the Lord is always the answer. I mean, you can never lose when you go to the Lord. Save us because we perish. And that word perish is the very Greek word that we talk about, luo. If you ever took Greek, you know luo. Luo is that main form of a verb that all of the verbs are conjugated off. It's the perfect form. It's the word luo. And you put apo in front of it. It doesn't just mean to be, to be hurt. or It means to be absolutely destroyed upon. So this is the idea, Lord. We're being destroyed upon. We're, we're, we're being ruined. Uh, we're, we're, we're being sunk. There's not going to be anything left. We're, we're dying out here, Lord. Okay, that's the idea of that word, verse 26. And Jesus saith unto them, why are ye fearful? And that word fearful, we look at the word fearful, uh, and it comes across in our language as just fear, but it, it actually has the idea of faithlessness. Why are you so faithless? Why are you afraid? Why, why, don't you, why are you not, don't you trust me? Don't you know I've got it? And boy, that preaches, doesn't that, to us? Why are we so fearful? The Lord's got our back. Amen. So why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? And how many times the Lord says, according to your faith, be it unto you. I, I, I have asked almost every time a young preacher boy out of Bible college comes through, they, they instruct them, go ask old preachers, and I'm now qualified for that. And they say, ask them, do you have any secrets or things you want to pass on? And I, one of the things I say, if I, if I could live my life again, I wouldn't have less faith. I'd have more faith. Oh, you faithless. You have little faith. Praise the Lord, the little faith, but oh, you faithless people. Little faith. You're, you're filled with fear. Your fear is bigger than your faith is the idea here. And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the winds and the sea. 
The wind and the sea, do you remember when we went through the book of Revelation, what did the sea always represent? The trials of the world. One day we're going to be in the glassy sea. What's that a picture of? Perfect calmness. Total rest of the soul. God, when we go to heaven, we're going to, we're going to sit the glassy sea before the throne of God. It's a picture of the calmness and the rest of heaven. Look at this picture. It says here that the winds and the rain and all the rest of the sea was completely worked up to a whirlwind. It was completely slapping the ship, and Jesus rebuked the wind. And there was a great calm. And that idea of calm there is an interesting word. Be muzzled. You ever had a dog in the neighborhood? And then the next one starts in. He went, shush! Just somebody go out and put a muzzle on that thing. We've got to go to bed. The Lord said, be muzzled to the wind. Isn't that sort of a beautiful picture? Here's the wind howling and storming, and Jesus just speaks. And, and in another passage that we're going to read, it says, the wind, it just says, they just lost all their energy. So like Jesus gave it a sleeping pill. <laughs> and it just flattened right out. The Lord can do that to any of our problems, can he? Be muzzled. Don't let this thing worry you. It goes on in verse 27. Then the men marveled. And that word, that means be actually astonished or shocked. Never saw anything like this before. Have you ever seen something like that? You saw it, you say, I saw it, but if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't believe it. That's the word marveled. If I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe that we could be going, and Jesus, I'll be muzzled that quick. Wow. They were shocked. What manner of man? What kind of person can do this? He's God. Let's remember, Jesus is God. He created the wind. He created the world. He is the one, according to Colossians chapter 1, by him all things consist or exist. And he speaks to the atoms, stay in place so you don't blow up and make a nuclear explosion. Be muzzled. They're going to obey him. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And that word obey here means to hear him. It's an interesting how we have muzzled and we have the different words and you're all playing off the idea of a lot of talking and noise and all the rest. But when Jesus speaks, the winds and the waves hear. And the word for hear is not just the simple word, it's to hear under. It puts a, they hear and they come under his words. They come under his authority. Go over, if you please, please, now to the book of Luke, and we'll learn some other things. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. And it came, now it came to pass, Luke 8, 22, on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. Now the disciples were there. They went in. 
And he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. So here we find they didn't just go into a ship. They had a task. They were going from here to here. They, and, you know, many times in the scripture when Jesus, it said they had, they had an agenda. And in the agenda, there would usually be some peril or challenge along the way. And so they got on the ship and they had an agenda to get to the other side. Jesus had business over there to do for them and preach and all the rest. But they had to go across. They had to go through. You Christians, we have to live every day. You can't skip some days. And there are things that we have to do. And listen, there are things that we have to go through in life. That's part of life. It's called living. And the Lord has promised to walk with us and abide with us and strengthen us and all the different things. But he says you have to go to the other side to get to the next step in your life. You can't just sit there and look at the, look at the sea. You've got to get out on the sea and get across got to take a step, steps of faith. A lot of things we could preach here. Look at verse 22 again. It came to pass a certain day that he went into his ship, and he said, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. So they got on their journey. They got with it. Jesus led the way. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. So Lord Jesus just, we find another place. He goes to the backside of the ship, and he goes down, and he lays down, and he just, he has, does he know the storm is coming? Does he know all this is going to happen? The Lord Jesus doesn't have any test to go through with the storm. This is for the disciples' benefit. He's teaching them a lesson. Romans, we find that tribulation and trials work patience and faith, and they teach us confidence in God. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm on the lake. I got a chance to go to Israel about 30 years, five years ago. And as I went out in the Sea of Galilee, the, the um, man that was, you know, running the tour, he said, I want you to look over, and you sort of look to, off to the northwest uh, side of the Sea of Galilee. And he showed us several things. He showed us this one big city. It was a city set on a hill. We said, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. When Jesus was preaching, he said he's probably referring to that very city right up there. He said, look down beside that, and you see a valley. And when you look on the, if you want to go home and look on your map, don't get on right now on your phone and do it, please. But you look on a map, and you have the Mediterranean Sea. Then you have a stretch of land in Israel, and then you have the Sea of Galilee. And in between it, there's this little narrow valley. And whenever there is a huge storm that's coming out here on the Sea of Galilee, and I mean the, on the Mediterranean Sea, you wouldn't know about it in those days. It's 50, 40, 50 miles away. You wouldn't know. It's on the other side of the mountain ranges. Nobody would even know. It's raging, but this valley often acts like a conduit. And here comes a storm, and then it comes around the bend of that thing, comes back to that city, set in a hell. Wham! I mean, the storm comes out of nowhere in full force. And this was well known in that period of time. They're going across the sea, row, boys, row, or you know, get to put sail up. I don't know how they're going around. Get across the sea. And then out of nowhere, when they left, it was like beautiful calm. Get halfway across in one of these storms from the storm of life gets directed just like a pipeline at them. Do you ever feel that way? I mean, I think, but we hear about everybody else going through it, but sometimes it just seems like that thing just comes right, right at you. 
And it comes so quick and overnight and so strong. And that's the picture here. The picture of, of this storm. Jesus was, they were making their way across the sea and they're making, their, they got, they've had a wonderful day and we're going to talk about that in a moment. And a lot of good things have happened and Jesus has spoken and the disciples are fairly new in the Lord. We're not deep into the gospels. These are just, they've only been with the Lord a few weeks or so. This is early on. They haven't had a chance to see all the miracles and everything Jesus did. And now they're going to have to learn to trust Jesus. You know, in our life, we've got to learn to trust the Lord, don't we? You start walking with the Lord. I just keep trusting my Lord as I walk along. I just keep trusting my Lord. And he gives a song. When do you sing? I know when I sing when I'm happy, when I'm scared, <laughs> when I'm troubled. The Lord gives a song. Go back to our passage here. And as they sailed, he fell asleep, verse 23. There came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water. Now, we got a little difference than how it was written. Before, it said the water covered the ship. But what's the piece here that's added? The ship was being what? Filled with water. What happens when a ship gets filled with water? Do I have to... It's starting to sink. This keeps going on. We're going down. Lord, help! This is a disaster. And you could make a movie out of this, couldn't you? Okay. The perfect storm. Okay. Oh, I think they have that one. All right. Okay. Yeah. Then he arose and rebuked the wind. Oh, I'm sorry. And they came unto him and woke him, Master, Master, we perish. And we're in jeopardy. I forgot, I skipped over. We're in jeopardy. What does the word jeopardy mean? It just simply means that, Lord, we, we are in a real vulnerable place. Do you ever feel vulnerable? I mean, you're exposed. All your normal things that you would trust in are failing. Your health is failing. Your money's failing. Your friends deserted you. I mean... Everything that you would think would normally be your, your breakers, you know, that would sort of kick in and help you. They're all, they're all failing. You're, 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 the storm was overlapping, and now the ship is filling up with water. Bail it up, bail it up. But it can't slap. We can't stay ahead of it. It's more than I can handle. You ever been there? Let's go on. And they came to him. They said, awake, master, master, we perish. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And that word rebuke there is an interesting word. The word rebuke there uh, simply means that the Lord Jesus says, come under my authority. You ever rebuke your kids? You say, you know better. You do what you know. That's, that's the idea of rebuke. That's the word here. He said, come under my authority. He rebuked the wind. He spoke to the wind. And he said, I want you to come under my authority and the raging of the, of the water. And they ceased and there was a calm. And that idea of calm, once again, is that idea. There was a muzzling of the storm. And he said unto them, where is your faith? Now, in the other passage, it says, O ye of little faith, 
But here we find it sort of written with a different thought. Oh, ye of little faith, or he's saying now, where is your faith? Why is it that we have faith in God on paper until we get in the circumstance? Get under the pressure and the boat's filling up with water and we think that all the things that we normally would do are failing and all of a sudden we say, Lord, you've deserted us. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? And they being afraid, wondered. And once again, they being faithless, wondered, saying one to another, what manner of this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Once again, can you, the wind and the water, and I mean, we're not talking about, he's talking to people. The elements are obeying him. Now let's go to the main text we're going to look at. Go to Mark chapter 4. As you look at Mark chapter 4, we get sort of a history of what's happened in, in, in this in this uh, period of time. Go back in chapter 3, the 12 are chosen. Jesus begins to teach them in that chapter as you come to the end of chapter 3, and he talks about at the end of the chapter that uh, now I'm your father and mother and brother. We need to get your, you need to understand you've got a new loyalty. Chapter 4, he begins the parable of the sower. You've got a job to get the seed out, and they're going to fall on good ground, and some on, uh, on the uh, stony ground, and some on the thorny ground, and some uh, on the wayside, and and then he explains that to them. And then in verse 21, he says, uh, there was a candle that was put under a bushel, but you take off the cover. You can't keep the, get your light before men. Get the gospel out. Take the seed. You got a job to do. Get the light out. Verse 26 is an interesting little, he's teaching them. And in verse 26, he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and, and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. And he knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he putteth forth his sickle in, because the harvest is come. These verses, the Lord says, you obey, you do your job, you get the seed in the ground, you send the light, you put the seed in the ground, and it's a miracle. I'm the one that brings the increase. The work of the Lord is the work of the Lord. Do you know in the last four or five months, I've been reminded afresh that the work of the Lord is the work of the Lord. I felt in the last months, boy, they're binding up of all the things, you know, all the normal things that we would do. Let's work a little harder on the bus routes. Let's have a contest. Let's, let's have a revival and bring people in. Can't do any of those. All the normal things that I would maybe as a pastor and the Lord just reminded, this is my church. These are my people. This is my work. You just do your job. I'll take care of it. Oh, ye of little faith. The Lord has reminded me of that over and over and over again. And so now we come to chapter, verse 30, and we're going to pick up the parallel passage. And he said, whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or wherewith shall we compare it? 
It is like a grain of mustard seed, which was, when it was sown in the earth, it is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh a greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. What's he teaching? He's teaching if you have faith as a, I can do miracles. Trust in me. Do your job. Keep focused. Don't quit. Go to the work. Verse 33, in many parables he spoke to them. And now we come in verse 35. And the same day when even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And let's just take this. We're partners with the Lord. He said, get up. Let me pass over. And I'll, I'll, when I get over there, I'll tell you if it's safe. Is that what the Lord said? He said, come on. You know, Christians, there are going to be times in your life, we're going to apply this far beyond COVID. There are going to be times in your life when the Lord says, come on, it's time to get up and go do. And you know the Lord wants you to pass over on the other side. You say, but Lord, there's a big lake. There could be all kinds of stuff. Lord, I feel comfortable here. God says, get in the boat. Let's go. Let's go. Over and over and over again, I see in the scriptures, the Lord in Joshua, he said, every place that you will place your foot, I'll give it to you. The Lord can walk around the promised land all day long. He can jog. He can do handsprings. He can do all kinds of stuff. But the Lord said, Joshua, every place that you put your foot. And Christians, I don't care what it is in your life. When you come into things that God says it's time for you to move on and do the next thing, I often talk to the college kids or kids coming up in our high school here and it's time for college. And they start saying, man, this is going to be expensive. I can't do this. I don't want to leave home. But the Lord is saying, let us go. You need to pick up and go. Get going. Somebody called the mission field. God says, go. Pick up and go. God says that you need to obey him. Pick up and go. Let us cross to the other side. Verse 36, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were with him other little ships. Now there's a little piece of information. You ever picked up on that little piece of information? You know, when I was studying this out, I don't know that I ever really appreciated that phrase. Not everybody was in the exact boat with the Lord. They were more in the fleet. And we get the idea that maybe a larger boat that the disciples were in, that 12 of them were in there, and Jesus, and who else in there? And there, and there are other little ones that joined on with the Lord Jesus. Do you think they're going through the same storm? You know, Christians, that often your, your sheep, sheep might seem awfully small. I, I'm, just, I'm just a nobody. I'm, I, I'm just a, I haven't been to Bible college, and, you know, I've only been saved so long. You're just a little ship just getting in, just getting in you know. Verse 38, verse 37, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. Once again, you find a third thing. They, they were 
throwing over the ship. They were filling up the ship, and here they were beating the ship. And often the thing that would take a ship down wasn't that it got filled with water, is that it would get beat to pieces. In the story where we find Paul in the book of Acts, and, and remember he, he's, he's loosed uh, the ship and he's going to land on the island of Malta and eventually it says that they, they wrapped great big ropes or they called them helps underneath the ship and they girded that ship because they were afraid that as that ship was being beat that at one of those times it would hit and be like one, you picture a barrel and somebody hits it just right and it goes and it splinters. And sometimes we might say, I don't know how much more I can take. I feel like I've been put through, this shows my age. I've been put through the ringer this way and this way. Only a few of you understand what I mean. When I was a boy, I loved to help my grandma do the laundry. She had this old tub and it rung around. I loved to watch it swirl on all the rest. Very unsafe, I think, now. And then we'd take the clothes out, and there was this, this little device. It was called a ringer. It had two little rolls on there, and, and she had one that was electric. They used to have some that you do with your hands. But she'd turn that thing on, and you take the clothes, and you put it between those two ringers, and it squeezed the water out. And the other side would come out, and the clothes would be flat as could be like that. And my grandma would take them, and she'd put them this way, and she'd put them that way. She wanted them really wrung out, because then she'd ha- she didn't have a dryer. She had a winder. She'd put them out in the line. My grandma hated dryers when they came along. She says, nothing like a beautiful sheet that's been out in the wind, and it's been all cleansed by, you know, she just really, she, she hated all the modern stuff that we had. So where where'd you get Let's go back to, you ever feel like you've been put through the ringer this way and that way? Any other things been squished out of you? <laughs> I got my finger in the ringer a couple times. My grandma would say, let go of it, but I wanted to make sure I would just stick in there. <laughs> you know, it hurts. Okay. You ever had your finger in the ringer of life? Hmm? Okay. And that's the idea that waves were beating beating on the side of the ship. Isn't it interesting how much you can pick up between the, the waves are flowing over, it's filling up the ship, and it's banging it. How much more can we take? Verse 38. I'm sorry, verse 37. And he rose great, and the waves beat in the ship so that it was now full. So now we see in this passage of Scripture, it wasn't just flowing over, it wasn't just filling, it wasn't just beating, but now this ship, there's, there's no more. You ever, you ever felt like you're full? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm done. I can't take one drop more. That's the picture here. And he was in the hinder part of the ship Asleep on a pillow. How could he be back in the back part of the ship on a mattress? Just sleeping away, and we're going through the ringer this way and that way. How could he be doing? Listen, the Lord's in charge. He has no, he has no worry about this. 
They wake him and they say unto Master, carest thou not that we perish? And there is another little phrase. Not, Lord, we perish. Lord, we perish. Here we find a little more in the phrase. Lord, don't you care? Have you ever wondered that? Can I put it a different way than, Lord, do you care? Lord, are you good? Why would you let this in my life? You ever had that question? Don't you care? Don't you know? Lord, you seem silent. You seem removed. You ever been there? Where are you? Verse 39, and he arose and rebuked the wind and he said unto the sea, peace, be still. And that word peace means this. Shh, be quiet. You ever walked in a bunch of people, they're out of control, and you go, shh, just saddle, Calm down. Peace. That's what the Lord said to the world. Smash, bang, fell on the ship. The Lord said, shh. And the waves were muzzled. Wow. Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. You know, I wrote my notes. At the beginning of the story, there was a great storm. And here we find the very opposite. When Jesus takes charge, there's a great calm. Can I give you another parallel word for the word calm? There's a great tranquility. Sounds like something you'd take in the middle of the night when you can't sleep. And you get up and take a tranquility. Boy, in my life years ago, about five years ago, when I was sick and I was going through some period of time and, and it just seemed like I couldn't, wasn't going to be able to walk and there was a lot of things happening in my life and I uh, just was going downhill. And I can remember... For a period of time, I was so physically my, uh, unable. My wife and I had to sleep in separate bedrooms because I wanted it like 95 degrees. I couldn't stand an air conditioner on. And my wife thinks we have to sleep in a freezer. So we had to live in two separate rooms. And I can remember waking up at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, and my heart would be racing. I can't go to sleep, and my mind's running 100 miles an hour, and, and I, I all night long, and then by the time I'm, it's time to get up, I'm ready to go to bed. You ever been there? And that was going on. And I went to the doctor. I said, I can't go on like this. And he said, you know what, Brother Butts or Mr. Butts or Pastor Butts or whatever he called me, he said, for the first time in your life, you finally hit a situation, and most men, when they get there, you can't do anything to change it. You're no longer in control of your body. And for men, that's a shock. He said, I run into this all the time. He gave me a little tranquilizer. 
He said, you're not going to need this for very long until you can absorb this and get things safe. But he said, you're just going to need a little help. And you just right for about two weeks. I would take this really mild things. I am so sensitive. I took one half of one half of the lowest thing. I took that thing and about five minutes later. <laughs> Next morning at 7 o'clock, got ready to get out the door, and I'm happy. And I needed the tranquilizer. And by the way, it's not a lack of faith sometimes in your life when you just need to go to the doctor. Do you hear me? It's okay to go to the doctor. Don't, get to, don't take what I said off to the edge. But I just need a little help. I need a little tranquilizer. Do you know, this is the word that we have here. Let there be stillness. Peace. Be tranquilized. And God can just take all the things that have just got your heart racing and life so full, and God can just say, And what was Jesus doing? He'd already had that tranquility. He was back here sleeping on the pillow. And he said, if you learn to have faith in me, you can sleep on the pillow too. Peace. Be still, oh ye, a little faith. Let's go on again. Verse 39. And he rose, rebuked the wind, and he said unto them, Peace, be still. The wind ceased, it was muzzled, and there was a great tranquility. And he said unto them, Why are ye so? And that word fearful, we already said, is what? Faithless. How is it that ye have? He doesn't say little faith. What's he say here? No faith. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him and then he shall direct thy paths. You know, Christian, God's waiting for you to direct your faith. You're going to have to trust the Lord. You're going to go through life. You've got to cross across the sea. There are things that are going to come into your life you're going to have to trust God in. And I don't care what it is. You are going to run into it now and again and again and again in your life. And the sooner we learn to trust the Lord, the better we can have peace. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what, is, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, wait a minute. That word obey is a different word in this passage. The other two are translated obey. We have a different word here, that even the wind and the bay... What, are under his authority. Do you know there's nothing in this world that is outside of God's control? Everything is under his authority. Your boss, your health, your money, you fill in the blank. They are all under God's control. And they marvel that, that even the wind and the waves and the water, even they are under God's authority. 
surely your circumstance is under God's authority. Believest thou this? Hush, be muzzled situation. Have faith in God. Economic disaster comes your way. If you haven't hit an economic disaster, you will probably somewhere along the line. There's going to be something that's really going to challenge you. You're not going to know where the next nickel's going to come from. It's time to turn to God. God gives and God can take away. There was a man many years ago that I met at Dr. Hodges' church, and one of his deacons on his board. I really liked the man. man's still living. And I remember that he was getting close to retirement. He'd worked for some big company downtown. And at that point in his life, his retirement fund was approaching a million dollars. That was 30 years ago. And one of those economic downturns hit, whatever it was. I'll never forget, I was over at Dr. Hodge's office at the church over there, and this man walked in, and he said, well, yesterday I was worth a million dollars. Today I'm worth 300000 That was yesterday. I lost $700,000 the last day or two. Took a whole lifetime to build it up, and it's gone overnight. There are people that have jobs and I remember the Great Recession that hit in 82 to 84 in Houston. And there were men that were engineers and men of really, and they had all these plans and they had houses and they had country things and all the rest, and they got laid off. And you ever tried to get a 53-year-old engineer a job in a recession? They don't want you. And I can remember how, what, a, how, what a challenging time, three or four years for those group of engineer-type men. It was, they went from, they were driving Cadillacs to now they were working at Walmart. Physical disaster. It's amazing how you can just get up and there's a heart attack. driving down the road and somebody will bam, hit you if you're behind and now you're, you're, you're laid up. You can't even go to work and there's physical disaster that comes into your life. You, your body's not cooperating. You're in trouble. When I was four and a half years old, one April morning, about April 4th, 53 years ago, I looked up on top of the roof of our house and I saw flames. My mom was inside talking to the neighbor, and I ran in, and I said, Mommy, Mommy, mommy the house is on fire. She, oh, quiet, Richie. Went back outside. The house is on fire. Mommy, 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 the house is on fire. She said, Richie, quit bothering her talking to the neighbor. Pretty soon the neighbor says, Betty, that's my mom's name. Betty, I see smoke coming from your house. My mom ran outside. She saw the fire on top of the house. Our house completely burnt when I was four and a half years old. All summer I lived in a garage family of six. My sisters were all farmed out. Physical disasters. My sister Jeannie, who was one year, two years older than me, she's my fourth sister. I talked to her this week, and she sent me a clipping on the house. She said, this was in the Jamestown Post Journal. House up in Asheville, New York. Family 50 years ago lost everything in a fire. And there was our house, all burnt and all the rest. 
God can see you through. I wonder what my mom felt like at that time. Because my brother was inside her stomach. And she was pregnant. She had me. She had four older girls living on a farm. And we were living, literally, we were living out where you parked the tractors and stuff. We lived in the garage all summer like that. You ever been through a physical problem? They come. They come. How about a relationship disaster? My husband walked out on me. I don't even, how, how, do, how do I, my wife, she walked away. My child won't speak to me. You just name it. Relationship disaster, spiritual disasters. I did a King David. And how God, how could I ever get my heart right with God after what I've done? Natural disaster. Boy, the first hurricane that I remember is, I think it was 1983, 82, Hurricane Alicia. I have not seen, I know there are probably others that beat it, but I've not seen anything like Hurricane Alicia hit Houston like that did. We were without electricity in some parts for two months and I remember the trees that were knocked down. They, they, you took all your limbs and cut them, and you just drove down the road. And six and eight feet tall, they were just all the limbs. And I can remember my wife went over and stayed with Dr. and Mrs. Hodges, and I stayed around the church to sort of watch it. And it was, you know, it always happens in August, early September, and it's 100 degrees. Natural disasters. That same year, there had been an ice storm that came through and pipes burst all over Houston. In the spring, there were tornadoes. Somebody said, you don't get many tornadoes in Houston. We did that year. They skipped and jumped all over Spring Branch and tore up homes. And then came Hurricane Alicia, and then came the economic turndown. And I was a young pastor of a young church. Natural disasters. Lord, don't you care? Why did you bring me to Houston to lose my job and lose my house and lose my health and lose my family? This is what people say. Carest thou not that we perish? My boat's full. I've been beat to death. It's, and Lord, I feel like we're going down. Oh, ye of little, no faith. Just so you can see, shh. All right, now can we sleep? Give it to the Lord. I always wonder when I bring a message like this, one of two things is probably true. There may be somebody here that you're going through a storm that I have no clue of, and you say, Pastor, you're just going right down the row. Or even harder than that, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow when I go to work. <laughs> and the Lord was preparing me. O ye of little faith. Of course the Lord cares. Of course the Lord can. Only trust him. You know, there's a song that we sing out of this. It's in our hymn books. Master, the tempest is raging. The billows are, what? Waves in high. 
but the Lord can take care of it. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you would use this message to encourage the hearts of your church family, your people, that you love them, that you got their back. You always do. Lord, teach us to trust you, to never doubt that you've always had our back, always will, and, and you care earnestly about every moment of our life. Teach us, Lord, to trust you. In Jesus' name.